Okay, take your Bibles if you would to turn to the book of Hebrews. Appreciate the opportunity the pastor gave me to speak tonight. Kind of helped him out. He had some other projects he wanted to work on. And <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse. Branch off from there. We're going to be dealing tonight with something that every one of us as believers have to deal with every day. And that's sin. It wouldn't have been a great thing. I mean, it's kind of like the one teaching of one particular denomination, some of the hard line. I think the Church of the Nazarene teach that you can get to a point of what they call eradication of sin and where you can get to a certain plateau that you no longer sin. I wish that was true. But the problem about it, I'd be extremely frustrated because I haven't gotten there yet. And so as we, we all need to see how God sees it about sin. Hebrews chapter 3, 1 verse, verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And the phrase I'd like for us to kind of concentrate upon mostly is the last phrase, the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. Let's pray a minute. Lord, guide our thoughts tonight. <clears throat> May our spirit be teachable tonight and exhorted, and where need be, Lord, rebuked and exhorted that we may have a more sensitive spirit to thy Holy Spirit as you desire and how we need to deal with sin <clears throat> in our lives so that we may be drawn closer to you be a clean vessel that you can use and bring you glory and honor. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. The deceitfulness of sin. There's a thing about this. And realize, you know, every sin that you and I commit is because we have chosen to believe a lie. I mean, you think about what Satan did to Eve. Now, we need to remember what the Bible says about what Jesus Christ himself said about the devil. In John chapter 8, verse 44, I mean, he just, he just hold any punches. He was, he, uh, but in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I mean, I think what the devil did with Eve. I mean, let's think about the three three thoughts about the lies that he fed Eve. And so, because the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, she was deceived and she sinned. But first of all, what is the first thing he says? Yea, hath God said? And you know what? I believe that he was saying, kind of lie he was telling her then is like, who does God think he is to tell you what you can and cannot do? And that was the lie. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, who are you tell me what I can and cannot do? Who says? I mean, you think about it, is that not a lot of where our culture is going? It's like they don't want to listen to the Bible because they think, well, I, this is my life. I get to run it the way I want to. Who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? And it's a lie. God has every right to tell us. He's our creator. 
He has every right to tell us how we ought to live. But we need to remember every the, the not only with that right, he has the our good in, in heart. But the thing about it also then goes on and said the how that then he said, Well, ye shall not surely die. What's he doing? He's lying about the consequences of sin. And isn't that one of the lies we we believe? It's like, well, I'm not going to get caught. Or I'm not hurting anybody. You know? And, you know, this is no big deal. And every time we use that line of thinking, with any sin we choose, we're listening to a lie from the devil just like he did. And then the last phrase, you know, like, he knows that you shall be as God's. You know what the devil's doing there? He was lying, getting her to believe the lie that God doesn't really want you to be blessed. That God is trying to hold back something from you that's going to be good for you. And that's a lie from the devil. It's the exact opposite. God wants good for every one of us in every area. But we listen to a lie thinking that God doesn't know what's best for us. So yes, every sin that you and I choose to commit is based upon choosing to believe a lie. I mean, you think about what it teaches over in Romans chapter 1, what God's Word says there. Remember how the digression of, of mankind goes on? <clears throat> Verse 20, starting 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, four-footed feasts, and creeping things, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And then notice what it says, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Every sin you and I commit is based upon a lie. You think of some of the excuses that we give. Well, this, is, this temptation is just too strong. I can't handle it. Or this trial is too difficult. So I've got the right to complain, whine, and, and get mad at God for it. Or maybe it's like, well, that's just the way I am. Why do you always lose your temper? Well, that's just the way I am. That's just me. Why do you handle things that way in such a negative way? Well, that's just me. You know, That's the way my daddy was, my mama was, my grandparents was, so that's just the way I am. That's a lie. That's choosing to believe a lie that just because they did it, it's okay for you and me. Oh, and we could go on and on and on. Or another one's like, well, I'm not hurting anyone. I, this is just for myself. I mean, like maybe someone looking at pornography. Well, I'm not hurting anyone. It's just me. Or if I want to smoke, I'm not hurting anyone. If I want to get, you know, drink a little bit, I'm not hurting anyone. <coughs> And on and on and on we could go, lie upon lie upon lie. Every sin you and I commit is based upon believing a lie. Well, let's think of a few sins. For example, like getting drunk. Why does it say in Proverbs chapter 20? I was reading that this past week, and it just very plainly states it. What the Lord says about, you know, the people who say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with drinking. What does it say Proverbs 20 verse 1? Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Alcoholic drinking deceives. Oh, I can handle it. <clears throat> I'm just doing it at my home, so it doesn't matter. You know, nobody gets hurt by it. 
God's Word says it deceives. Because you think about it, every drunk started that by doing what? Taking that first drink. Sexual immorality. Well, we love each other. And man, isn't that kind of the mantra that uh, so many people are nowadays are using to excuse sexual immorality? Well, we're in love. I mean, whether it's premarital sex, whether it's adultery, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's viewing pornography, it's like, well, love trumps everything. That makes everything okay. No, it doesn't make it okay. And that's a lie from the devil. And because like we'll be looking at a couple weeks, a few weeks in the first Corinthians thirteen, where it talks about charity, which is a God type love. Charity rejoiceth in the what? Truth. And truth says, thou shalt not. And so we believe a lie when we say, well, it's okay. Justifying it. It's kind of going differently. What about bitterness? They hurt me and I've got every right to hate them. They really did me wrong. And I can't forgive him or her. I can't. Does God ever tell us to do something that He does not also enable us by His grace to do? We can forgive. It boils down to whether we will or not. It's a choice. We're going to believe the lie that it's too big of an offense. We're going to believe a lie I can't forgive. Because we need to remember, even it wasn't saving as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. How? That's how we're supposed to forgive others. So when we hold on to bitterness, we're choosing to believe a lie. You say, well, I just can't forgive. Yes, you can. It may be challenging. It may be very difficult. But God's grace is sufficient to do what's right. Always. So let us not... So let me rephrase that. Anytime then you and I are tempted to sin or right now involved in some sort of sin, whether something outward of the flesh or something inward in our heart and spirit, we need to ask ourselves a question. What lie am I choosing to believe to justify what I'm doing? What about, oh, let's kind of go in even a different direction. What about tithing? Well, I can't tithe. I can't afford to tithe. I've got all these bills to pay. You know what you're saying? You can't trust God to meet your needs. God tells you to do something, but you're afraid that He won't meet your needs, so therefore you choose to believe a lie and disobey God thereby. What about anger? You make me so mad. It's all your fault I got so mad. You know what? People can be a real jerk, or jerks, okay? They can, can't they? Sometimes we're the jerk. Sometimes we provoke the anger. But you know what? That never justifies responding back in anger. Be angry and sin not, the Bible says. Talking about responding in a way. Yes, they may have done something wrong, but how we choose to respond to it is whether or not we're choosing to follow God or choose to believe the devil's lie. Well, I have every right to get angry. Well, you may have every right, but it still doesn't justify you getting angry and sinning. Have you ever noticed 
Every time you and I get angry, we do something stupid. Or we say something, ooh, why did I say that? We're believing a lie. We could go on and on and on all night and kind of look at every sin that you and I choose to commit. It's based upon a lie from the devil. So sin, sin's deception. Because again, what does it say? You know, the deceitfulness of sin. What about worry? Anybody here worry warts? Don't raise your hand. But you know what we're doing when we're, and we all simply, you know, the car breaks down, the, the, there, there's too much month at the end of the money. You know, all that it goes, anything, we worry and we worry, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? We start getting all upset and everything like that. What are we doing? We're believing the lie that God can't take care of us. That God doesn't know what He's doing and what He's allowed in our life. We're believing a lie. And that's what the devil wants us to do. He's the liar and the father of it. So every situation you and I find ourselves, the devil's going to feed us a lie and get us to choose to sin against our holy, loving God. But it's not only do we need to consider God, uh, sin's deception, let's consider sin's consequences because notice what it says here. Resort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened. Hardened. When we choose to believe a lie and choose to sin and we don't deal with it, you know what we do? We harden our hearts. You ever try to plant a garden on hardened ground? Remember the parable of the sower of the seed? The first part was through the seed out there and what happened to it? Because the ground was so hard, it was not able to go into it and germinate bare fruit. And another passage says, and the devil came and swept it away. When you and I harden our heart because we keep choosing to listen to the deceitfulness of sin, we're hardening our hearts. And when we come to church and hear the word preached, or we hear it on radio, or read the Bible, because we've got a hardened heart, the word just can't do any good in our lives. You know, sometimes I believe that's one reason, you know, it's always interesting, you know, wish we had an um, x-ray of the brain, okay? I mean, I mean in the sense of the thoughts. And as people go out the service, they wonder what they, how they responded to the preaching. And so, you know, some, I didn't get a thing out of that. Someone else goes, man, what a great message. The Lord really spoke to me through that. Same message, same preacher, same hour. The psalms go out, didn't get a thing out of it. Why? Hardness of heart. You know, let me just say this parenthetically. If a preacher is preaching the Word of God, whether he is extremely eloquent or whether he's dry as cornflakes, if it's preaching the Word, a, a hungry heart, a tender heart will get something out of it. Let us not blame the preacher that we don't get anything out of it. Generally speaking, again, if we don't get anything out, it's reflective of our own heart. Because choose and continue to go on and sin hardens our heart. Just like it says in Hosea, uh, we're talking about break up the foul ground. In other words, that ground that's been laying there, laying there, laying there, and it hasn't been uh, used for crop raising for several years. 
They, you say, you got to break it up. You got to get the plow out. You got to get the oxen and the plow and break it up. And then you can plant your seed. And so sin hardens the heart when we've refused to deal with it. But not only does that, it does that, but think of it over in Ephesians chapter 4. God's word says this in verse 22. <clears throat> well, let's start in verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concern of the former conversation, the old man, then notice what it says, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. There that again, deceitfulness again. Corrupt because of the deceitful lust. You know, when you and I choose to believe a lie and therefore choose to sin, it not only hardens our heart, it corrupts us. It corrupts us. You know what it means? Whether we like to admit it or not, every single sin you and I commit has a negative effect upon our life. And we can believe the lie and say, well, I'm not hurting anybody, this is just me. <clears throat> well, what you're doing is you're corrupting your potential of what God can do in your life. You're corrupting your closeness with, in your relationship with God. And then also think about it, if we're, not, if we're not right in our relationship with God, it's going to affect our relationship with others. That's what sin does. It not only hardens the heart, but it corrupts. No matter which direction or what sin we may choose to embrace, it will corrupt our lives. And it's never good. See, that's again the reason why God gives a, give, gave to us His laws, His mandates, His, His statutes, His, His directions, however way you want to label it. He does it for our good that we may reach that potential of John 10.10. 10. I am come that I might have life and have it how? More abundantly. How do we have that abundant life? By dealing with sin in our heart and our life. And choosing to believe the truth of what God says. So sin's consequences. It always hardens and it always corrupts. No matter which direction you may want to go with it. It has a negative effect. Whether it's worry. Whether it's bitterness. Whether it's immorality. Whether it's anger. Whether it's like a trusting God. Whatever sin you and I may think that we may choose. It always has a negative effect upon our life. And that's why God says, watch out. Watch out for the deceitfulness of sin. Let me, that's the thing about it. When you think about the deceitfulness of sin, it's like, hey, that sounds good. Isn't that what Eve was, what happened to Eve? She said, oh, well, you know, that fruit does look good. Yeah, I'd like to be wise. Yeah, I'd like to, you know, do, do that. And yeah, I think so. But what happened? They put the whole human race into a fallen condition. But then I want us to consider, thirdly, we've considered sin's deceitfulness, sin's consequences. But let's consider now sin's enemy. You know what sin's enemy is? What's the opposite of a lie? Truth. Sin's greatest enemy is truth. Instead of believing a lie, we embrace the truth of what God has to say about it. 
And let's kind of look at this a little bit more, what it says here. While it is said today, it's kind of a capital T there. I believe you know what, one way, there's several ways we can look at that. But one way I'd like for us to consider is this. Sometimes, of course, most of us here this evening, not all, but most of us here are kind of in the, the stepping close to that senior state. And so when a person is younger, may think, well, I know this isn't exactly right, but when I get a little older, maybe when I get, you know, get the house paid off, I'll change, I'll deal with things then. No, the Lord said today. This pre- where you're at right now. Where you're at in your life right now. Don't put it off. Deal with it now. I mean, I'm sure all of us that are 60 plus, okay, uh, could look back on our lives and say, man, if I had practiced back when I was 20, if you're saved then, what God has taught me now, all the difference my life would have been. So therefore, the exhortation is to you younger people. Today, learn to embrace truth in your heart, in your choices. Today. So as we go on, it says, not only then it says, but exhort one another daily. Notice it said, exhort one another. You know what that means? <coughs> that means what we're doing tonight. Because what does it say? Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Um, and we verse we all know well in Hebrews chapter 10, where he says, uh, it says, um, verse 23 and 25, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not, and the sentence continues, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, that's one reason we need to come to church. Of course, I know I'm preaching to the choirs to say it is Wednesday night. I mean, <laughs> you're the faithful group. But we need to understand God gave us the local church for a reason. Now, I know there's going to be some people are streaming tonight, watching it. So I don't mean to offend you, but if you're staying home just because it's easier to stay home than come to church, you're robbing yourself of a blessing. You may be hearing the same message, but by being together with other believers encourages one another. Fellowshipping one with another. Provoking one another. Generally we think of provoking as like, boy, you really provoked me. But here it's in a positive sense. It's like, man, this, what you did or said just really worked in my heart. They're like, man, I want to do that too. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to say, you know, a little bit here. I mean, like Brother Don, he provokes me. He really, really does. You know how he provokes me? I don't know how many times I've seen him go up to strangers and witness to them, and how God uses him, and so, and he does it so easily, talking to other people about Jesus Christ. So he provokes me. And that's what we're supposed to do with one another. Provoke one another. Maybe somebody said, well, you know, I, I was praying the other night, and you hear that and say, boy, they really have a prayer life. That provokes me. Or maybe another believer said, well, I'll see you Wednesday night. Well, well, that should provoke the person. 
Or, as I was reading, you know, like when we have our praise and testimony, somebody says, well, I was reading in my scripture, my devotions the other night. You know what that'll do? That provokes us. Well, you know, I'm not sure I get many blessings out of reading the scripture. So that should provoke us to get into it and get some for ourselves. And so that's one reason Paul, uh, Paul is writing here in verse 13, while it's said today, if, um, excuse me, I'm looking down verse 15, but exhort one another daily, exhort one another, encourage one another, provoke one another to seek the heart of God, to deal with sin, to seek to draw closer to God by dealing with sin. So yes, we have a responsibility to exhort one another. And God says it for a purpose because He knows that we need it. I'm sure you've heard the analogy many a time where, you know, just like a, a campfire. If you, you know, get a good fire going and boy, it's really hot and really blazing, but if you were to take this log here and that log there and separate it, what happens to the, to the heat, to the flame? It'll die down. But as you bunch it together, you know, if you ever burn a bond, uh, you know, brush pile or whatever, as it burns down, you know, if you burn it all up, you've got to keep bunching it together. That's one reason God established the local church. So we can kind of keep the heat a little hotter in our own hearts. So that's why Paul is saying here, exhort one another. And then notice another phrase. He says, daily. Daily. Now I know he said one place was called today. I believe that's referring to where you're at in your life right now. But when he's talking about daily, you know how often we should deal with sin in our heart? Every single day. And the best is to deal with it as soon as we realize we, as the Holy Spirit convicts us, oh, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You're worrying. You're not trusting me. Or whatever it may be. Have that lustful thought. Deal with sin as the Holy Spirit speaks. That was sin. But deal with it every day. Daily. He said, well, I just don't know. I mean, this is the third time today I've done this. Well, claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's what? Faithful. To do what? Forgive. It amazes me of the mercy of God. The grace of God. The faithfulness of God. Deal with it daily. We need to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our own heart and lives that again, as soon as we realize we have chosen to believe a lie and we've chosen to sin, we listen to the Holy Spirit as He smites us. And we deal with it right then and get it right. So deal with it daily. And then also, one thing I'd like to kind of expand a little bit more when it talks about exhorting, lest you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin, we need to use the tools God has given us that to enables us to have victory over sin. I think of the verse the passage has been the pastor's been going through on Wednesday nights, Second Peter, uh, chapter one. I'd like to uh, refresh our hearts about one verse. It says there in verse three, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You know what that verse is saying? God has given to us 
everything we need in order to live a victorious Christian life. We have no excuse to be a dead beat Christian. We have no excuse. We have no excuse of being a lukewarm Christian. God has given to us everything we possibly need. First of all, one that's very obvious is this book right here. We sang a song, Thy Word Have I Hid in My Heart. What verse was that based on? Anybody know? In Psalm 119, what verse? Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, that's one reason we need to be in the Word regularly, daily. So we can let the Holy Spirit speak to us through God's Word. That is one of His tools that helps us, enables us to have victory in our Christian life. That's why we need to be in the Scriptures daily. That's why we need to come to church and get preached at. We need it. Our, our flesh needs to be preached at. I mean, you think about it. Every parent knows that kids have to be told how many times before it sinks in. How many times do you have to tell them to brush their teeth before they do it without being told? Exactly. <laughs> Why? That's part of their flesh. We have, to be, we have to be constantly reminded, just like Paul told Timothy, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things. I mean, in all, in all essence, you know, there's absolutely nothing new that I can preach to you. I mean, if you've been saved 10, 15, 20 years and been going to a Bible preaching church, you've heard it all. There's nothing new that I can preach to you. But I can bring to remembrance what you've been taught. Try to just drive the stake, so to speak, a little deeper to get a little bit firmer grip in your heart. The Word of God. What about prayer? You know, if you're true, when you and I are truly seeking the Lord, and we get down on our knees and pray, and we start thinking, Lord, I'm just not getting through. Many a time, not always, but many a time, it could be because the Lord's trying to say, before we really start fellowship, and there's something in your life I want to deal with. No, no, Lord, I don't want to talk about that. He said, that's exactly what I want to talk about. And that helps us to come face to face with a lie we believe that we may choose to make it right with God. So God's given us everything we need in order to live a godly life. Now as we think about how again sin is based upon believing a lie, there I got to think about there are so many verses in the scriptures that deal with thinking truth. I just want to share a few of them with you in closing. Let's start all the way back to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Here the Lord is talking about <coughs> the psalmist is saying here in Psalm 15 verse starting verse 1 We'll read the first two verses. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He's talking about who's going to really be close to me. Notice verse 2. He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and knows that last phrase, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Speaketh the truth in his heart. Go to Psalm 51. We all know the Psalm 51 was written by King David after he was confronted with the sin of adultery and murder. And here's one of the verses. I mean, this is such a rich chapter. 
we could preach a whole year on it. But in uh, Psalm 51, verse 6, as, God, as David is crying out to the Lord, he says, Behold, thou desirest truth. Where? In the inward parts. Here. Truth in the inward parts. Then let's look at a, uh, another one, Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse <clears throat> let's do a, start in verse three, Second Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He's talking about here, you can't win you can't win over sin by trying to do it in our own strength. Verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then notice verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when we're tempted to sin, what thought process are we embracing? What does it say in Saul, uh, Proverbs 23, 7? For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If we keep listening to the lies of the devil, we're going to keep on sinning. But when we learn to speak the truth in our heart and bring into captivity every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ, that will give us victory. And then one more, a very familiar one, Philippians 4, 8. Which says what? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, what's that first word after that? Whatsoever things are true, think on these things. Paul inspired the Holy Spirit trying to get across to us again that the victory of our Christian life lies in how we think and are we choosing to think truth that gives us victory over the lies of the devil and over the deceitfulness of sin. So I <clears throat> challenge myself and all of us here tonight. If we truly want to enjoy that abundant life God so richly wants to give us, let us speak the truth in our own heart. And respond the way God wants us to. Confess sin. Reject the lies. And see what God will do in our lives. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Oh Father, how we thank You and praise You <coughs> for the great God that You are. Thank You so much, Father, for loving us. And wanting what's best for us. And oh Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every one of us here tonight. Whatever heart is being deceived tonight, open up the eyes unto thy truth. And may you cleanse us from our sin. May we be sensitive. And Lord, where our heart has been hardened, May we look into thy word and let it soften our heart.
Deal with us, Lord. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.